this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome three members of All Season. I have Jimmy Blanchfield on guitars, Dave Copley on bass, and John Bonham on vocals. Welcome to the show, lads. Delighted to have you on. Cheers for having us, Richie. Yeah. And we have from the depths of hell, Howard, my co-host for the night. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Great to be back. Yeah, great to be back, man. So lads, um, it's been a while since you have been first formed and stuff, and hopefully, I know you take your time with recording, so maybe you could first of all start off on a positive note and tell us that there's something good coming through in the next few months. Uh, no, there definitely is. Uh, probably like a lot of bands, COVID just completely took you know took the wind out of the sails. Yeah. Um, we actually had kind of half of, half of the. Well, just under a half of the songs recorded, like skeleton wise, you know, mm-hmm. and we're ready to go in for the second half. And then the whole pandemic happened. I remember during the break in the first lockdowns, we kind of thought, actually, we might be getting back to normality. I remember doing a couple of days. Well, in the studio, also, to jump in and watch you, he said, us losing our practice room certainly didn't help things either. It was just. <laughs> that kind of derailed so us keeping because we were, were trying those songs to, were nearly we're done and nearly back, ready to start um, recording just to get back and obviously then we couldn't, we couldn't practice for months to be found somewhere else the album. and okay. then hopefully we get in this year to finish it and are you working with Michael Richards again? yes yeah. great news good yeah big sign of that and where were you originally practicing lads? Uh, we're practicing in a Thai it's an industrial unit called uh, Electric Studios it was us in Morning Beloved Oh right, okay. And then um, we like that was our that was our that was our home really, you know, it's a band similar to Beloved. I think we've been there, Dave Dave's our encyclopedia of knowledge dates and stuff. I think it was thirteen years or so. Yeah, it's about uh, 13, 14 years. About, I think yeah. it's in about two thousand seven. Um shortly before I joined, uh, yeah. we had that, that rehearsal room. And it was it was dead handy for us because all the equipment would be set up and so we just turn up with our guitars and whatever and plug in and play. Yeah. 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 So it was like, you know, it could be one, it was a minimum once a week, you know, being there twice, depending what, what was coming up like. And that, yeah, that, that, that was a fair point from John. That was completely gone. That knocked us out as well. So it's and what happened to it? Did it just, was it sold on or what happened? Yeah, well, pretty much, yeah, because during the, the pandemic, over the two years, the, now we didn't deal with the lease, such as one of us from Modern Blood, but I think, Kind of what it was was she was looking for rent for the two years that we couldn't legally use it, okay. and then the lads were like, uh, "No, like we can't. We haven't been able to use it. Like, why, why would we pay yeah. your rent?" So she was like, "Well, look, we, we, we'll just move on, and I'll I'll find someone else to take the spot." Like, so just kind of amicably bowed out. And did somebody come in and, and pay that then for as a rehearsal space or what did it? No, it's 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 relet as something else, some other okay. business unit. So yeah, we like on the estate it was there was different kind of workshops, wood workshops. I think there was a mechanic down the road. So okay, so there's a like, few there, people had eyes on it, no doubt, over the years. Yeah, I mean it's, it's, it was a big unit, like you know, it's two floors. Like to be fair, what we were using for was underutilizing the building really because mm. it had a lot more potential to do a lot more. Like you could have, you probably could have put two or three rehearsal rooms in there. Okay. But the fact that the two bands, like we were able to pay the rent together, we were just happy enough keeping it amongst ourselves. You know, we didn't have to worry about gear, you know, being being taken or anything. So we just left the stuff there. It was, it was handy out. 
Yeah, something similar happened up in Dublin Hill, Howard, didn't same. it? Look, I can't really speak of much of it because things are at a level at the moment where everybody's communicating and everybody's on the same page for now and things moving forward are looking okay. But I'm sure at some point they're going to come on here and explain what happened. But it was far more aggressive than, than that. We nearly lost everything. But I remember the the feeling of that, of just, we be like ourselves. We're there since 2008. Uh, I'm up there four or five times a week at least with somebody or somebody else is up there. We use it all the time. All our gear is set up there. And fucking, I could, I, you know, we were very close to losing. And I just remember that feeling of, oh, fuck. Do you know, this is, this is almost devastating, you know? Well, fuck, I can only empathize with you. We're, we're lucky that we're still able to go up there, but I can only imagine the amount of bands in the city that would be gone if that place disappeared, you know? Yeah. How, oh, many, yeah. how many are using it roughly, Howard? At a rough guess, 30 bands? 50, I got a guess. Um, 50. If, if you're breaking down bands that are associated with metal, maybe nine or 10. You know, it's a lot of people and a lot of, lot of part timers go up there to rent out the rooms on a daily basis, kind of thing, where they're, where they're full term. So we're there seven days a week. Yeah, but it was nasty business, and fuck it, there's a bit of a gag order on it for now. I think. Uh, right. I think at some point, uh, I, I certainly will be speaking about it, <laughs> but at the moment, no. Yeah. But I can certainly empathise with you lads. That's a, that. I felt that it was almost a devastating blow at the time. So you know, how are you keeping to go go forward? Have you found somewhere new to play in, or? Um, still- well, th- we were we're still kind of looking. If we can find some somewhere similar that's just ours that we don't have to share, you know. But it's it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. I just I just assumed it was going to be like uh, fucking sheds somewhere that people wouldn't mind renting out, you know. That was disused, but that's not the case. I mean, I never took into consideration insurance, and if people don't know you, they're worried about liabilities and all that kind of stuff. So at the minute, we're one of the lads from picture this, uh, Cliff Dean. He has a, he's a great studio set up yeah. out in his house. Yeah, that, so that, that'll probably change by the end of the year. Okay. No, it's, 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 like, it's great for now, but it's still not ours. You know, yeah. He has other people in and out there. So mm. we, he does give us first dibs on dates, but you know, we, we can't really leave our stuff there because other people need to use it as well. And, and how many of you are living outside of Dublin? All of us except John. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, we'll go back a bit if you don't mind, because I came across the, I think it was in the Cork Winterfest in 2009, with Hail of Bullets, would that be right? Oh, yes, yeah, Hail of Bullets, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Skyforger and Grand Magnus. Yes, yeah, Grand Magnus, yeah, that that was before they kind of shot up. Yeah, when you think of it. Very well, yeah, Jesus. I think I think we might have played actually Richie uh, with Bible Divers. Bible Divers is I nearly show us on that same bit as yeah, well, Howard. Yeah, I think so. We got a lot of heat after that gig because we played in our in our jocks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a pretty fucking straight up metal day with the legs of whole season and Grand Magus and so. On. No, it was, it was absolutely mental. Yeah, we think back to it now, like, like absolutely yeah, mental. Like. Hmm. It was one of the better Winterfests I found. But, yeah. Um, that, yeah, was, uh, that, that time we were actually on like an Irish tour with uh, Skyforger. Yes. We'd, we'd done Belfast, Cork and Dublin anywhere with them. Uh, they, were, they were sound lads as well. They're fucking mental. Like. Yeah, they're, when you think of all the team. bands that have played in the Krushkin Lawn through Winterfest, like Amon and Mart, Triptychon, yeah. yeah. fuck's sake, like Hail of Bullets, who else? Grand Magnus, yeah. Leaving out a few, definitely. Primordial on there a few Primordial, times as well. Yeah, true. 
Yeah, there's a load, man, and there's just absolutely a load of them that have played down there. And um, so Great. that's that's kind of what Cork needs, but you know, it needs something like that again. So, point. so your next journey down to Cork then, we were on about it before it started, before you joined us, John, was uh, Bradley's Bar. <laughs> Yeah, in Barrack Street. Yeah, yeah I, I was, I was, I, I was thinking of that there a minute ago, just when you were talking about. It. Yeah, not, not, not our most um, prestigious gig, but like, you know, it was, it was, an, it was an experience trying to, you know, you had to improvise in, you know, cre- cre- create parts of stage for yourself that isn't there. Yeah, you were standing on beer crates or something. Yeah, I, yeah, there. I think it was beer crates, <laughs> and I, I think I had one foot on like the bench, and I put beer crates or milk yeah. crates on the end of the stage and I had like one foot on like the bench in front of me I think Dave you and you and maybe Smith were just on the floor like beside the stage only three I remember there was one that I can't remember who it was but there was one band they were I think they were first on they were like lads how are we all going to fit on this stage and they were a three piece and they were, they were worrying about nomadic rituals nomadic rituals yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, geez, if these three lads are gonna, so yeah, I think it was like three of three and a half of us. I think we're on the stage at the end. Yeah, it was a dodgy yeah. stage. I mean, there was holes in it. There was there was weak points at it. If you put your yeah. foot in the wrong place, it was going through yeah. it. You know, it's <laughs> so made of pallets or something, was it? And just pallets and over it. Yeah, yeah. over it, and you know, there was a big old church bench then that separated you from the crowd, yeah. which was more of a nuisance than a than a barrier. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I remember having to climb over, over that to get onto this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lifting the fucking gear over it as well, like mm. mental. And that was was that your last time you played Cork? Then tell me that it's was, not true. Yeah, that was the last time. Yeah. 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 Fuck's sake, Cork man! They were traumatized <laughs> over that and haven't come back since. <laughs> Look, I was proud to bring them there in 2015 or 14, whenever it was. So you know, the next guy, get on Devin. <laughs> in fairness, like the. The promotion, uh, it was Pyre, 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 Pyre yeah. Oh, yeah, it had heart, like, yeah. you know, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah it was great, still... great lads, it's just, you know, he didn't, mm. he didn't own the venue, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, no, they, like, we were looked after and all, but, yeah, only so much you can do with it. It was slim pickings at the time, there wasn't much of um, choices, there was something happening in Fred's that night, and the print shop was closed down, if I remember correctly. Yes, that's right, that's correct. And uh, it was originally supposed to be in the print shop, and it got moved to Bradley's, which was, you know, what we had at the time to go with. But uh, Pyre was just myself, Andy from Five Will Die, and Shane, the photographer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shane. I remember, yeah. All right. And it, it kind of got passed on to the, I think the Baylor lads are, have taken it on now, or taken it over. They but haven't been involved oh, yeah. since maybe a year after that, 2016 is when I dropped out of it. I just had too much on. But, um, yeah. I, I remember enjoying you, enjoying you quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's one of those things that you know when when we met you guys and that you kind of realise that these are genuine lads trying to put on you know a really good show and we we all knew look it was out of your hands what what happened with the venue change and stuff so we just went for it look that's that's rock and roll you just yeah. <laughs> deal with these things keep moving forward yeah. 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 character building exactly exactly <laughs> yeah exactly that's the sums it up nicely. <laughs> Yeah. We ended up having great crack anyway, so yeah, it was worthwhile. Oh, it was still a good yeah. gig, yeah. And it was it was a good it was a good trip all in. Like there was good people around, and yeah, I still enjoyed it. Like it's just yeah, yeah fucking yeah. It's mental though when you think of it. Like when you go back that length of time, and when you're thinking of it now, it just seems like a snapshot of a time. But like 
you know, there was no mobile phones, there was nothing there. Things were just completely simple and basic. I think we were for the better of it, lads, in some ways. Elements, for sure. Yeah, yeah. elements, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, are you one of the founding members? Um, yeah, we, myself, the, myself, Anto and Smith have been there from the start, yeah. Right. And you were as, is it Carnera? Carnera, yeah. Now, I was in... I suppose Smith would have been the only one from the foundation of Carnena. I was coming in into Carnena and then within six months of me being there, it was changing then to all season. We were coming up with name, uh, uh, lineup changes, and then we were getting Frank then in on vocals. So, yeah, about six months after I joined, the, the name changed. Right, was Frank still a bit more than beloved at that stage? Yes. And actually, the singer for Carnena at the time would have been Darren from More Than Beloved as well. Okay. So it was kind of like a, a melodic death metal type band. You could maybe just kind of give people a rough idea of, we'll say at the start of the band, like, as you said, um, Frank was doing double duty for Morning and, and yourselves. Yeah. And was it just he wanting to do something different, was it? Yes. Or? Okay. Yeah, I think so, because he, he was so, I think he was so used to like playing the guitar and singing he wasn't getting an opportunity to do maybe some of the frontman stuff so okay. i think he was he was definitely interested and then anto would have been great friends with frank and here frank's from the same area as myself smith and anto we're all from the, the thai like thai region okay so the two lads would have known frank from school and all so it's kind of when we're looking for a singer it was kind of like an no-brainer you know yeah there's this lad's already proven proven himself and uh, knows knows the scene very well so we just went out on a long shot and asked. We didn't actually know if we would say yes, but right. we were delighted when we did, you know, and it kind of, it set up the, the kind of direction for the band going forward, you know. And how old were you then, Jimmy? Like, were you in your teens or? I was 17, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Black, man. <laughs> yeah I was 17, yeah. Probably, yeah, it was mad. It was fifth, it was fifth year in school. Wow. Yeah. It's actually mad because we were playing, we played with a, uh, Oh, Brockus Helm years back in Dublin and uh, we ended up playing with him again in Athens in 2019 and uh, I remember one of the lads in the band who was the singer he said fucking hell man the last time I saw you were you like 12 or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, this time goes so quick you know yeah and so your first release then was volume one and did you self-produce that self-produce that yeah that was done on a laptop with no sound card <laughs> in Smith's house on weekends. <laughs> it was absolutely crazy. We could only record 30 seconds at a time because we didn't have sound. We didn't know anything about tech, like this kind of recording technology. We are just Googling and YouTubing. Um, oh, it was absolutely mad. I think it was Cubase was something we were using and figuring out as we're going along. I, I remember that was 2004, was it? Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like... no, the drums were done in a, in the studio somewhere in Dublin. Um, so you just didn't have the cash, really, to to get some kind of produced effort well, in a studio you... or what, to rent it out? Or... I don't know if it was the cash or just pure ignorance. <laughs> so why do we need to pay someone to do it? We could do this ourselves. <laughs> and then everyone just got on board. Yeah, so why can't we do it? You know, can't be that hard. What were you doing, Howard? Weren't you doing something crazy like that as well, that you would uh, do something every 30 minutes? I remember you yeah, going, I mean, what was that? I remember um, 
when recording software first came along and we were I was playing with a guy called Dave Murphy at the time who went on to be in Queen Kong he's living in Berlin now but he had an old PC and it was a Fruity Loops I think so it was called something like that a program like that but um, you know you'd play a track and then you play a second track and every time you adjusted the levels on the track it would take 30 minutes for it to buffer and you just have to sit there and wait you know? <laughs> that's, yeah, such yeah. A, that's the story <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah, different times, and and I was like yourself. I really had myself convinced I could do this without the uh, benefit of a studio. Yeah, and, uh, it was a mistake, but it was one of those mistakes where you learn fucking lot, and it was kind of worth it, you know. Oh, definitely. Like uh, even just just the party and the weekends, excuse, go down to Smith's house and literally stay there <laughs> Friday and drink all truth and Sunday morning, like. And, bit of a recording in between yeah but like even even i was listening to it there on Bandcamp, and it still sounds actually quite good like i mean (laughs) i I wouldn't have guessed that that's how it was done at all (laughs) no yeah but see as well back then because we're all a good bit younger and uh probably had less responsibilities we had the patience yeah just now you know like none of us really have the patience sit down and record 30 seconds And Dave and John, were you aware of old season back then, or what? What was the story with G in your lives? Well, I'd heard the the name of old season a whole bunch of times. Um, there's a, a mutual friend of ours by the name of Danny Kelly, uh, who who was always um, talking about this band old season. So it was sort of like, who is this mystical band? <laughs> I have to find out, you know. So I, I eventually I, I did get to see them. They were playing at uh, another friend of ours, uh, Shawnee Fenley, was, uh, having his 40th birthday. And um, he he had the band on. They went on really late in, late in the night. I think it was something like four past one or close to two o'clock. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, so I got to see them. I, I stuck around to see them. Hmm. And they blew me away. So they did. I was like, wow, why aren't I in a band like that? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, not thinking that I'd you know, get to join them six months later. You know? Oh, but is it that close then, yeah? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. And the teams then, Jimmy, in the first um, EP, if you want to call it that, six songs really, the lyrics alone, like, Below in the valley the night closes in, the evening sky falls on the remains of men wrought from the earth in burial climes to hue ruination in these vengeful times. Like, that's Frank, I presume. Well, actually, it was Frank, Anso and Smith would have had um, input on the lyrics. The three lads would have have done it. Um, Yeah, I suppose... I, I don't really deal with the lyrics, but at the time that was... The team of, of old season, anyway, was it more concerned with kind of fantasy battles and ancients? Yes, yeah, that, that, that was kind of, that's what we saw at the time, you know, that's, that's the way we're going, kind of an escapism, you know. Yeah. Um, and obviously now we kind of, you know, we play around with that as well, but, you know, we want to evolve as well. We don't want to kind of pigeonhole ourselves, yeah. you know, in, into like fantasy completely, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's a, that, that was it was definitely the lyrics the lyrics were a lot darker back then but it just kind of it suited the music like, mm. there's there's a lot of blackness in the ep you know yeah um and i think the lyrics really kind of captured that the music you know yeah and the music like was fantastic i mean you can kind of hear a lot of new wave of british heavy metal in it what else there's man of war there's a few other bands there that kind of come through there's a bit of the early amorphous like tales from uh, thousand lakes that kind of stuff, you know, that era as well, that 
kind of of melody, but also darkness in there as well, and kind of. Bleakness. One of the things I liked about um, uh, old season in the early days was. It, it, there was the elements of fantasy, but it felt earthy or something. It felt a bit more rooted in in a history as opposed yeah. to a fantastical history. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was certainly things you could relate to in terms of it would be, be a metaphor or simile, or whatever it is. But yes. Never, it never felt too far in that direction. That Lord of the Rings direction for me <laughs> was always a bit more like Irish mythology. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that, with that's yeah. That was kind of a, a line we generally didn't want to cross. Didn't want to go too far into like Dungeons and Dragons kind of stuff. You know. Mm. Mm. It's generally you go that direction, you know. There's, there's not not much coming back from it. Like, <laughs> it's, a long, it's a long road back. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, it is. It is. So Kieran and Jazz are then left. Uh, so he lost the bass player and the drummer, and they then yeah. joined. Yeah, um, and then Philip. Yeah, Philip had left on guitars as well. Oh, Philip. After, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Go on. Yeah, Philip's in. He's in New Zealand now. Last, I think, ten years maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then, had you much of a, a search then to get another guitarist in and a drummer in for the second album? Uh, for the second one, well, when Philip was leaving the band, he actually recommended Doyler, who stood in. Right. And uh, he, he had known Doyler. Now. I, I, none of us, I don't think I've met him before, but uh, Philip had nothing but good things to say about him. So, um, yeah, we gave him a shot and you know he was great as well. But then in the end, he just couldn't commit either. So... He left, and then there was a little bit of a search then for Fuzzy on the next one. Um, and then with bass, yeah, when, when Kieran left, actually bass wasn't too long about filling. Uh, David seen us in the gig yeah, six yeah. months after. Uh, we put up an ad on one of the musician sites, and yeah, I think Dave applied, and he came over to my house, and I pretty much knew straight away that he was going to fit. Like He was just solid, sturdy, knew what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, met all the criteria we're looking for, really. And archaic creation. We'll just talk about that. You went to Fold Studios in Wales. How did that come about? Was that was there any record label sniffing around you at that stage? There was no, no, no. We we just heard about uh, the producer over there, um, Chris Fielding. Yeah. So we'd heard a lot of good things about him and about the studio. So we knew like there had been such a wait between uh, Volume 1 and Arcade Creation. We knew that the next release, we wanted to put in a good bit more effort. It was like the antithesis of recording on a laptop 30 <laughs> seconds ago, you know. Like, no, let's give it a go doing like proper professionally, you know. So yeah, we'd heard, we'd heard a lot of good stuff about Chris and Fall Studios. So we said we'd give that a go. And it was just the experience as well of just being isolated, you know, for two weeks, mm. like in a in a thirteenth century cottage away from civilization, where you had no choice but just get on with it. Like, yeah. And do you think, as a producer, how did he suit you as a musician, as a guitarist? We'll say. Um, yeah, no, I thought he was great. I thought he was really good. He put in he put in really long shifts as well. Like sometimes he could be doing fifteen hour days. Right. You know, just just to get things done. Now, it, again, it suited us at the time, like just before any of us had, had kids. I think Anton might have had a young child at the time, but the rest of us didn't. And we could go away for two weeks and, and do this. Now it's a lot harder, you know. Yeah. And so looking back on it now, I think it did suck out a small bit of the creativity because the pressure yeah. was like you had your time slot. And if you didn't get your stuff done and your allocated time slot, it's going to affect who's coming behind you. Of course, you. yeah. And that kind of pressure is where you do kind of make um, concessions just for the sake of saving time. You okay. Know? 
so you can hear a few of them on, on, on that album. Yeah, well, I don't think the listener over here, but for, for any of us creatively, like we, we probably know there's a couple of bits we could have fleshed out a bit more, but just just couldn't because pressure, you know, time constraints. Yeah, but I mean, it's still a, a fantastic uh, work. Uh, critics oh, yeah, really absolutely. liked it. And absolutely. I mean, it definitely brought you another few steps further up the ladder. What bands were you looking at around Ireland and maybe in the UK at that stage? that you're kind of going, well, we're, we're nearly as good as these lads now, you know? Can you remember back? Um, well, no, I, th I don't think we were kind of comparing ourselves to anyone. Like, Primordial and Morning Beloved were at the point where they were kind of making waves for themselves. Okay. Like, but, like, we, we weren't comparing ourselves to them. And it was main, mainly just for ourselves, you know, to know that we were going to put our best effort out. The album was great, look, and I think we were all happy with it, but it was just... Look, if, if I had a chance again, there's a few parts for me personally, anyway, I would have liked to spend a bit more time. And um, we were just, look, we were happy to get it done. We we're happy to move on. We didn't have any expectations of what we were going to achieve from it. You know, were we going to be touring like with Primordial or doing big European tours? It was just really a narrow-minded focus. Okay. Focus on the music we want to create and just getting it out there. Okay. And what tours were you being offered back then? Did you get to Greece at that stage? Yeah, no, we. I think we've been to Greece maybe before that as well. Okay. Um, we had a we had a good relationship with Nolis who organises Up the Hammers. So I remember going over there before Up the Hammers was actually created. Like, right. Um. So yeah, we. I think after our K creation, we went over there. We also went to Hammer of Doom as well, um, which was brilliant. Mm. That was fantastic. We're playing with Wild Heaven Wets at that one. And then we, after the Hammer of Doom, we were playing in the Baroque in Rotterdam with, uh, who was the band of? Uh, St. Vitus. Oh, St. Vitus. Vitus, cool, yeah. They've been Saint on Vitus, our shores yeah. one or two times, to Primordial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, great band, actually, yeah, really good. And Howard, you have Primordial, obviously. What was the scene back in Cork at that stage? Like, you know, when you see the likes of Old Season and Primordial and stuff, the Dublin bands, you could pigeon them, the lads in there as being a Dublin band, getting to do these shows abroad. Like, was there much jealousy going on in Cork in relation to how come there's not much of a focus down here? Or? No, I don't think it works like that. I, yeah. I, I, I'd imagine that that sentiment is there somewhere among some people, but certainly not people I know. Mm. Um, always looked at the Dublin scene as something maybe we, we found it a little bit impenetrable that you, it was hard to get in in it and okay. to get, get a few gigs up there and so on but in terms of bands going on to have success Jesus I mean it's always good to see a band regardless of where they're from on the island do well Yeah, and uh, it was great I remember uh, Old Season I, I came across Old Season through Morning Beloved who I fucking loved you know Yeah. and I remember Frank uh, had the refrain in one of the songs where he sang sang you know and I remember just hearing the voice going holy shit this is this is this is outstanding these guys should be signed and I found out that they were and I was like oh this is great you know yeah. you kind of you kind of feel you, you don't feel any jealousy I don't think it's more uh, competitive and fucking it's great that people are going to see this because I enjoyed it and I hope someone else will somewhere else as well yeah. I th don't I get that competition element I don't think you know no definitely I haven't I haven't picked up on that either I mean the way a lot of us would have looked at it is um, you saw bands breaking through to new markets like Primordial in particular mm. you never thought oh geez, why are they doing that how come we're not doing <laughs> yeah. it you're thinking yeah. actually the fact that they're breaking through to these new markets is going to give everyone else a chance yeah. because yeah. promoters labels everyone is looking thinking what other bands yes. have we based in this country correct you yeah. know, so. That's what you'd hope would be happening, yeah, spot on, yeah. yeah.
And I think it, I think it, I think it is happening. You know, it's still, you know, even bands with dead label moving forward as well. I think other people are looking back to Ireland, thinking, well, what other bands have they got? You know, mm. like how many, how many interviews or uh, playlists have you seen from other countries? Focusing on Irish metal because of bands like yeah, Primordial, because of Primordial and, and yeah. the lads, yeah, you know, they're always top of the list, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, John, I want to just go into your story now. Um, at that stage, the lads had uh, two releases out. What was your chosen band at the time, or were you gigging, or were you just still trying to find your own way um, in relation to what what you wanted to do musically wise? Or? Yeah, um, at the time. Um, the all season thing came along. No, I, I wasn't in. I'd, I'd played in a couple of bands. Um, I see. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to think of the years work at the time. But yeah, I don't think I'd been playing live for about two years. I was. Okay. I was getting um, a lot of vocal lessons, and I, I just started doing little acoustic gigs and stuff again because I hadn't played live in so long, and was kind of just getting back into it. And I remember. Um, how it actually came about was at the time I was trying to, I'm still hoping to come back to this. I was trying to get a Judas Priest tribute going. And I, ah, I, class. And, yeah, <laughs> and I, I had posted, um, I, uh, I think it was Metal Ireland. I posted like a, a listing on there, you know, whatever. And so Smith, our keyboard player, he had, cause I had a link to my SoundCloud. And um, so he had seen that and kind of told the lads and then kind of messaged me. And so that was how that came about. But, um, yeah, it, it had been a while. And it's funny, I remember, yo, yeah, actually, at the time, yeah, as well as doing those uh, acoustic gigs, it, w- it was either, I think it was only the week before I auditioned for Old Season, uh, I auditioned for a wedding band as well. I was just, you know, I was just trying to, was trying to get to get singing and get active again, you know. And, uh, yeah. I, you know, anyway, I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out that I, I wasn't the right choice for them. Because, you know, it would have been good to, you know, be gigging regularly, but it was, it was just... Uh, and was your perception of old season different to what you actually found out when you went in maybe to do the actual audition? Yeah, I, I, I think I was guilty as as a lot of people were of just thinking of them as like a doom band. Because um, okay. I, I, I had seen them live a couple of times. I remember Lads is part of the obituary and um, what was the other one? Twisted Tower Dyer and Cauldron. That gig as well. And so I had seen them a couple of times and I know maybe those sets they haven't played many of the kind of faster you know a lot of guns whatever. But I remember seeing when Smith contacted me, even I was like, "Oh, geez, I don't know if it'd be a good fit." I was like, "I love the band," but I was like, "I don't." And so the lads kind of sent me a couple of songs of what they were what they'd been working on, and okay. um, I think the first song they sent it's what ended up being the song "Scavenger." Oh, I was right. like, "Oh, okay. I was like, oh, this is this is completely up my alley." And so then I went and listened to like Archaic Creation again, and I was like, "Oh, there's." This is nowhere near as doomy as I I thought. The first album maybe a little more was a bit more on the doomy side, but um, yeah, it was just a, yeah. Uh, you used the word earthy earlier. That 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 was a very good description. I was like, yeah, it is just this kind of. It's a little bit darker and a little bit more. Um, yeah, but it's it was so melodic, like which I, I don't think I, I gave a credit for. I think like a lot of people, even even since I've joined, I've had people go, well, how does that work? You sing with a doom band because you're not really a doom singer. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, it's well, amazing not, it is, yeah. how they kind of grasp just different elements yeah. and, and miss so much more then you know yeah uh, J- i wanted to ask you john just yeah. um in terms of I've, I've listened to some of your interviews before and so on and you talk about uh, adopting a sort of character yeah 
Um, I'm just wondering, is that a conscious thing? Is it a, con is it a thing that develops? Is it some sort of cosmic correspondence? <laughs> is it something you work on? Um, Do you know what I mean? Where does it come from? Yeah, it's, it's probably something I worked on just because I'm... Um, in in kind of everyday situations, I'd, I'd probably have to be like quite uh, introverted, you know. And um, mm. yeah, on 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 a bad day, that would evolve into like a crippling social anxiety, you know. So I I think you kind of had to. I remember seeing like even the likes of uh, like you wouldn't think of it because it someone the likes of Freddie Mercury uh, apparently was quite. He didn't. He wasn't a very loud person in like you know day to day. He yeah. just kind of had to play a bit. So yeah, it's kind of like that. It was. At first, I just kind of had to do it so I wouldn't be in my head too much while I was singing, you know? So I wouldn't be like... Because sometimes in, in the studio, I find especially, I like judge myself as I'm singing. And But it, if you start doing that during a gig, it, it's not going to uh, go too well. So, yeah, I, I, I think it started as just a way of... I just you kind of just had to. I just had to stop being myself. No, I, mean, I, I probably, I probably still am. I mean, some of the fucking shite I come out with on stage, like that's. <laughs> I, I, I never, I never plan what I'm going to say, how I'm going to introduce songs, how long I'm going to be talking. So, some even sometimes I even <laughs> like surprise myself with something. Sort of but uh, yeah, no, it, it helps with the singing as well. Like if, if you, you know, you know, for me anyway, I, I don't like going to see a band that are just kind of pedestrian it's just they're there and they're singing the songs and it's just you know so even if we are only playing a venue to 100 people i i still like to treat it like we're in fucking <laughs> madison square garden you know and yeah. just go go all it. it's recently recent gigs especially in the song prowler i've actually i've been starting to scare myself a bit i'm really getting into that <laughs> song again recently and i've, I've yeah. started doing this thing where i don't have a mic handy but Instead of instead of holding the mic like this, I'm holding it like a knife, and I'm like acting out, I'm acting out, I'm acting out like stabbing the crowd during the song. But I'm really getting into it. the last couple of gigs. I've had to apologise the second the song is over. Just be like, okay, look, we're all alright. Well, there's the screams of pain as he cuts you down, pressure bones, throwing you to the ground with a microphone. Yeah. In fact, the, the last the last gig we, we did in Temple Moore there, um, I was just using the monitors, but I couldn't really hear myself. I was like, I usually use in ears, but like for a festival and stuff, it's like not to use the monitors. But by the last two songs, my voice was starting to crack a bit, and there's actually Jordan Prowler. Um, I usually that last one I kind of I just change it a bit so it's like burn your wall into the fucking ground but my voice cracked and it's like burn your wall into the fucking ground <laughs> it sounded like I was just trying to be real like theatrical about it but yeah my voice just cracked because I was shouting too loud <laughs> but I mean Jimmy going back to like kind of when Frank left and and suddenly John arrived I mean like that, that's well, not normal suddenly, suddenly. Yeah, no, suddenly now put it into context in about three yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, but like still to get a quality vocalist no, no, as John is, it's just very hard. No, it was, it was absolutely amazing. And to be honest, towards towards the end, before John uh, like revealed himself to us, we were kind of settling on the idea of having a totally different type of vocals. You know, there would, wouldn't be a patch on Frank or John. Yeah. Just be, you know, we were going to go down the kind of the sabaton route. We're going to try and write the music around hooks that could be singable for someone who doesn't have the vocal range. Oh you know? wow! Okay, so you were seriously and, thinking and that, about that, yeah? Well, we, we were going to have to, you know, mm. to survive because the way the songs were constructed, um, like we we couldn't 
And we couldn't keep writing songs the way they were with someone who didn't have that kind of vocal range, you know. Yeah. And the songs were quite complex, you know. And if you have, if you have someone with a very flat range, um, those songs get very boring. You know, it just takes away from the dynamics of course. at all. Cause you, of course. You rely yeah. on on the on the vocals kind of create dynamic within the song. And also, I mean, look, there's levels to this thing. And Frank was the best. Like he was up there, fucking looking down at everybody else in terms of talent. He was a fantastic yeah. vocal. It was a very very hard thing to move on from. Absolutely, yeah. Like we, like we were all flabbergasted when John came. It was like mm. it was like a gift from the universe. Like where the fuck did this guy come from? Yeah. You know, and then um, that that really, you know, it, it changed changed the game. It gave us such an injection of uh, positivity and hope that we could go back to writing the songs. Those kind of like epic stru- structured songs that we wanted to. So you had know? you the likes of Elegy and Nevermore wrote uh, when John came on board? Um. Elegy, yeah, 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 we had a lot of them. We had a lot of them written, but like John, John was able to come in as well and kind of structure the songs, you know, to suit himself as well, okay. which is kind of what we needed, yeah. you know. So it was definitely the icing on the cake, and um, because he's, you know, he's a musician and a creative as well. So the more people you have working on songs, like the better, the better it's going to be. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to play an extract of Elegy here.
Incredible musicianship, Howard. Love it, man. Mm. Fucking. Cheers, guys. You know, I think with John, like, really, really enjoy your vocals. And I remember at the time, object, objectively looking in when Frank was gone, and there was that transition period, and just trying to keep keep tabs of what was coming next from all the season, and um, just being satisfied at the result and going, "Fuck me, man!" Did you know what a such such a hard act to follow? And uh, there's a teaser to your performance that I really enjoy. Um, yeah, man, fuck it. Kudos. <laughs> Kudos for me. Fucking really, really good. Yeah, yeah and it, it, it definitely allowed us to um, evolve musically mm. in the way we wanted to because I don't think the, the way we were going was probably suiting Frank either because we were kind of breaking mm. out of any kind of doom shack as we had before was kind of really coming off. You know, we're getting a bit, a bit faster, but also trying out a lot of different things and... With John, it just, you know, it opened the floodgates of what we could do, yeah. you know, so. And that's that's basically what the band is is built on. It's built on kind of expressing ourselves as individual musicians and writing music that we want to write without having like a target we're trying to hit, you know. Mm. And that's why I love about the band because it allows us to, to, to do yeah, that. But there's know? no show button as well, Jimmy, to be fair, like, yeah. you know, which is really good. Because <laughs> yeah. you don't want some fucker dominating the whole thing like and i think you have oh, this totally. you have just a fucking perfect balance as a band and that's what's exciting about yeah. it is it's like when you when you listen to it you can see there's room for this sort of uh i guess i, I, I call it something else big performance maybe but it's just so um honestly delivered i really love it i really really do mm. it's always like a, a gentle surprise uh catching up with all the season because it's never what i expected <laughs> you know it's never how i remember it like well, I'd, I'd like to think as well, you know, even all the years on that uh, everyone who comes to see us, you know, to, to, to see how genuine we are and also to see the genuine respect that we have for like each member. You know, we all we respect ourselves, like respect each other. And that that's that really shows true in the music as well, you know, because we're giving each other space. Yeah. And that's that's why we've been together for so mm. long, even the even going playing every week, practicing without a singer for three years. I think it's kind of testament to how much we love doing what we're yeah. doing. And if we had no hope of of really getting anything recorded or gigging, but we still just loved uh, meeting up in a room every week. At one point, there was only, it was only four of us, you know, for probably a year, just meeting up and jamming and getting some new tunes out together. Yeah. And like, when did Pure Steel come on board? Um, that was, oh God, it was just about six months before um, before we started recording Beyond the Black, mm-hmm. around the middle of 2016, okay. we yeah. made contact with them. All right, and, okay. Uh, we, so uh, we we sent on. Um, we by that stage we'd recorded um, uh, Beyond the Black, so um, they they liked the recording and they said, right, well, we'd like to release this. So we signed with them. Wow. It seemed like a good deal as well, so... Yeah. Was the Beyond the Black title a tribute to Metal Church or was it just something else entirely? It was... Uh, we were just kicking around a load of different uh, names and the, uh, things like the kind of themes of light and black kept coming up. So I think at one point a light in the black was suggested and then we're like, oh, well, that, that's a rain- that's yeah. already a rainbow song. And <laughs> and then even I think we probably did land Beyond the Black. Maybe we're like, oh, well, there's, there's, there's a band called Beyond the Black as well. And, but I don't know, it just it just seemed to be the most, the w- one we all agreed on the most, you know? Yeah. Hmm. yeah, it was. And it was good representation as well of, I suppose, lyrically, what was going on as well. You know, there's, there's a lot of, 
I suppose John's more qualified to speak about it, but lyrically there's lots of uh, themes of you know inner turmoil and stuff in it. I suppose the the title Beyond the Black kind of reflected kind of more of an opti- optimistic shade okay. and an outlook yeah. in a bleak situation, you know. Right. And quick, strangely relevant now, you know, with uh, the COVID. There we go, like, Jesus, you, you <laughs> yeah. beat me to the punch to me, Jesus. <laughs> like us like coming out of the lockdown. Yeah, that's that, that, we're, that, we're yeah that, that cover, that that cover is, is, is that guy going out for his first drink in about eight months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how did you come across Marcus Vesper, the artist? Brilliant job. Yeah, that was true, uh, pure steel. Okay, so, they recommended him. Yeah, they they kind of commissioned, they wanted to have a little bit of control on, on the artwork. So they they suggested him and kind of, we were going back and forth with him with our ideas and he was sketching. Yeah, uh, he didn't do you really wrong. He didn't do you wrong. No, and that's, that. it's, it's yeah. And, and what's brilliant is, I mean, that um, we should put, we should, we should upload it somewhere someday. That, that from start to finish was, Jimmy did a mock-up about, I don't know, two or three years before. And more or less where that logo was and where the person, I think originally Jimmy's mock-up, it might have been someone in like a, like a corridor of a church and there were a few windows at the side, but it was yeah. it was more or less exactly what the original idea was. So he wow. added some stuff like all the kind of the tortured faces in the walls and everything was his mm-hmm. idea. That was that was brilliant. Like, But it yeah. was, yeah, it was like they, he was kind of cool to, he knew the idea we wanted to have, so he didn't really change it. He just kind of improved on it, you know? Yeah, yeah he, he enhanced it, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, like, the, the format, yeah, we come up with really, like, visually the angles and kind of based the concept, and he just, he went with that as well, and he saw, he saw where, where we were coming from. I, I think we might have sent him on the lyrics as well, mm-hmm. just so he understood, you know, where it was coming from. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really good guy to work with. He, again, like ourselves, there was no kind of egotistical prowess yeah. in it. Like, yeah. You no, know, like we weren't competing, we weren't clashing yeah, egos, yeah, yeah, stepping yeah. on toes. So yeah. And it's great when, when you have that kind of creative flow, you know, it's, it's, it's And brilliant. chemistry. I mean, and like yeah, Michael Richards did a fucking champion job on production. Myself and Howard um, talked to Brad Boatwright as well about the importance of getting a good mixer and to master it as well. Um, so you went to San Francisco. How did that come about? Well, we used him um, for arcade creation. Oh, as well. did he? So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Chris, when he was doing arcade creation, he said we like he could do it, but he was recommending that mastering is done somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just to get an objective, another person outside of that process, another fresh pair of ears coming in. So um, I think I think it could have been him who recommended uh, your man in San Francisco. And he was really good. Like he's he's got some top artists as well in his portfolio who he's worked on. Really efficient, really quick. Um, so we said there's no point not using yeah. him for this one because he's so good. Um, and yeah, very reasonably priced. And he'll give you you know he'll give you draft ideas. If if you do want to change it, you know you can have that back and forth with him as well. Yeah. You know. So and was there much? Coach. I doubt it. Was there? No, I don't think there's. I don't think there was much. Maybe second draft. I think he might have got right. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that great? Like, yeah, okay, no drama. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, I'm, yeah, no drama. Whatsoever. I'm going to get in one more track um, off it, and it's probably an audience favorite anyway. Never more. It's certainly one of mine. But one of ours. Yeah, it's well. a
So you're under no pressure to uh, beat those songs, lads. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no yeah, pressure. Oh. I'll be fairly optimistic. You know, there's some cracking ones coming. Wow, through, so. that is. Yeah. Pressures for tires. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. Do you think you're at the stage now where you've defined your style, or will the next release do that for you? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to think that the style is always going to be evident. You know, mm. you're, you're, when you hear a song, you're, you're going to know it's us. Okay. But that doesn't mean it's going to be like the same, the same style. It's going to be, it's not going to be the long songs all the time or, you know, we're going to change it around a bit, you know. Yeah. We like to have that flexibility. <laughs> Ever make the same album twice, basically. Yeah. Just follow Dave. Dave knows what he's doing, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I think, I think yeah. as well, with, with the six of us as well, six of us are writing songs, um, it's never going to be same. No. You know, even within an album, you're never really going to get two songs that sound exactly the same or, or very close, you know. We're just not that type of band. We're, like, we're very expansive, which is a bit of a nightmare uh, promotional-wise. You know, it's a lot easier to the market black metal or doom yeah. metal or whatever so we, we've been a victim of that through the years which I, I i firmly believe that probably is the reason why we're not as big as we could have been it's just we're very hard to market you know yeah it's, we call ourselves epic metal because we like to think that's it's a bit more expansive but yeah. like a, a lot of people have said you know if you could just knuckle yourselves down to stick into something you know doom or traditional or whatever you know but you, you get much further much quicker but it's not really our bag no. i said we write these songs for ourselves first and we yeah. hope that everyone likes them and as long as we do that we can we can keep going for for years yeah. you know so yeah I'm very listening. important um howard would you agree with jimmy there not to yeah, conform I, to like people's I, expectations and that's what's great about all yeah. season is like i've said I, I have my own expectations every time i go back to listen to them and i don't know why i'm surprised because every time i listen to them it's it just feels like it's in its own pocket somewhere and uh, I don't think it's a case of that if, if this band were a bit darker and followed the template laid out by others that they'd be more successful. It, it's just strange to me that they're not more successful because of the direction that they take within this kind of music. It's, it's, it's nice. It's interesting. It's, it's pushing it in a... I wouldn't say it's a dark direction at all. It really feels poppy to me. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. I don't mean you're like ghost or anything like that. Yeah, I just, yeah. You know, there is, a, especially with the vocals, there's a, there's a sort of a instant gratification you're you're really yeah, like, listening and it's there. Yeah. accessibility exactly yeah. you know uh, yeah. and I, I don't know it just feels like it's uh, you put this genre in your own pocket a little bit and that's what i like about this band you know uh, but then again i mean to find success what the fuck is it is it commercial success is it touring is it playing gigs or is it being happy with your friends playing music yeah. you know yeah. well that that's it as well you know we're still together and we're still loving what we're doing um but you know we, we still hope that we'll be able to push they pass their own parameters of success and get on a bit further, you know, after every album. So that's what we'll be aiming for with the next one again. I mean, there's some fantastic yeah. footage of of the lads live in, I think it might be Greece, is it? Lads on YouTube? Greece, I oh, think it is, yeah. yeah. Anybody, anybody awesome. watching this or listening to this, check out Old Season on YouTube. Um, what, how would they find it? Is it just a group, what is it? Up, it's uh, yeah, all season up, up to hammers. hammers, yeah, man, and it's just absolutely fantastic to watch you uh, as a live entity, more so that, than as a recorded entity. You really bring it to the very much. to the crowd and everything on it. So gig wise, like you said, that you finished Templemore Metal Fest, and um, that was probably a good buzz to be back. Uh, 
It was good. Before that, we had done, uh, we played with uh, Eternal Champion. Yeah. It, was, it was a week or two weeks before Yeah, it was that. just a week before, that, that, yeah. Yeah, before, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was ter- Thursday night, and then the Eternal Champions lads, their their tour was a bit messed up because Manor Fest was cancelled over in the UK, so they were down a good bit of money. And I remember, as you know, the, I think it was DME had put out that if people could come out and support them, mm. like you know, just try and head head their coffers a bit, and just the reaction was absolutely fantastic. The place I think was sold out on the day. Wow. You know, Pace was jammed. Yeah. It was such a great buzz. Yeah, yeah and you it. played Crew Fest as well, did you? Crew Fest, yeah, that was in November before. Yeah, that was in between lockdowns. Yeah, right? yeah, we yeah, we found this nice pocket of about a month where yeah. things were. Yeah, there was. I think gigs only opened up a few weeks before, and then they were closed. They, they, oh, they yeah. were closed again before with, Christmas. Um, you played with God Lone, I think, Go actually, didn't you, in the Grand Social? Yeah, yeah. Two tales of yeah. war. Uh, yeah. Some yeah, it was a, uh, yeah, yeah two tails pulled out. It was God alone, and I can't. Uh, Ravenlight, uh, Raven yeah. Ravenlight, yeah. Mm. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Moving forward now, what's more important to you: get the album done and dusted, or have you got another two or three gigs that you might want to shed a bit of light on here, or what's going on with you? No, I, I think at the moment it is just knuckling down and get get this record finished. Okay. Like, and then I think the, gig, the gigs kind of naturally happen then around that, you know, after it. So, mm-hmm. um. Look, it, with the COVID situation as well, it, it's very hard to organise a gig this year because nearly every band is suffering from COVID delay. Like most of the gigs that happened were gigs that should have happened over the last two years. Yeah. You know? So we're just look, we're just glad to get a couple in you know, when we could. But in terms of planning something new, like it, it was very hard this yeah. year. You know, you can see yourself the amount of gigs that are just so, uh, crumpled in together. Mm. You know, it's just yeah. trying to get all these two years of backlog gigs out there yeah. you know yeah i think it's actually hit saturation point too fast yes yeah you know? yeah, yeah. too sick. fast and it's, it's in danger now of just falling down on itself you know um it's great yeah. while it lasts but fuck it it's, it's not sustainable you yeah. know but look, yeah so it's, it. it's probably the perfect time for us now just try and knuckle mm. down finish the record and then by early next year you know hopefully we start looking venturing back out again live yeah. now that's not to say if if a gig came up you know in a couple of months supporting a big act whatever you know we're always always open yeah. to it like yeah that's great man it was an honor to have you on the show lads thanks a million thanks for having us we're massive fans myself and howard and you know just absolutely i got the i got the message the night. and he just breaks oh he has he broken up <laughs> <I'm so excited. laughs> i was excited yeah, he i was fucking excited <laughs> You're still there, Howard. Come back to me, please. Good evening. He's there. He's there. All right. But uh, the black hole of communications. <laughs> I think Howard they just probably put on Love Island. <laughs> so Jimmy, Dave, and John, thanks a million for taking the time to come on the Metal Cell. Really appreciate it, and best of luck with the future and anything we can help you out with promotion-wise in the near future. Uh, just give us a shout. Yeah, We'd yeah. gladly help. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks yeah. a million. It's been really cool. Stay in touch, guys. Okay. All the best, lads. Yeah, thanks a million. And crucially, support your local metal scene. Bye. Cheers.